Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Welcome to Freedom Church. If this is your first time here, you're really welcome. And for those numbers of people who have been listening on the podcast, if you are uh, listening to this series, we, we hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been useful to you. Um, if you want to turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2, so we've been doing lots of stuff in 1 Kings, and we're now going to 2 Kings. So get hold of your Bibles. Um, I've got a real one here. They still exist. Uh, but you can turn your Bible on, on your device, or on your phone, or it'll be on the screen behind me in just a moment. Um, the title I've used today is, is, is I've used this title, Strike the Water. Strike the Water. And you'll see that it makes sense we go through this morning. But, you know, we are called to live a full life. We are called to thrive, not to just survive. And, and I remember when I, when I was 18, I left school in 1992. I know for some of you it feels like a lifetime ago, and some of you it was a lifetime ago. I left school at 18. I went to work for a Christian organization. I did a year out from when I finished school. And I worked for this Christian ministry, and my job was I was a children's and schools worker. And I'd go all over the UK in my white Ford Sierra estate with lots of ruster down the side of it, A129XOX. I still remember the registration number. And I would drive all over the UK in this clapped-out vehicle, and I would do school assemblies. We'd do play schemes and holiday clubs. We'd do stuff in churches, all kind of activities. And whichever place I would go to, I'd be based in a local church and serving them. And then there would come this moment at the end of the week or the end of the event or whatever I was involved with running, when normally it would be a gentleman, would sidle up to you with a brown envelope. And they would, without making much of a fuss, they would just slip you this brown envelope. And it's one of these unsaid things. Everyone knew what was going on. It wasn't a drug deal. It was someone giving you, the treasurer was giving you some money as payment, as a gift. Because I spent the whole year what they used to call living by faith. I had no salary, no income. I just got in my car and drove places. And people would give me this envelope. And what used to amaze me was that sometimes I'd be very well cared for and people were very generous. Other times, you could spend a whole week in a church. You could do all the local schools. You could do loads of assemblies, and you'd be slipped 20 pounds in an envelope. I know some of you thinking, oh, it's probably worth a lot back then. It wasn't. It still wouldn't pay for the petrol to get to the place I was going. And I remember thinking, how do they think I'm going to survive if that's what I'm living off? You know, I don't mind living off little, but I want to be able to just get through the day. I want to be able to actually drive my car back to my home without running out of petrol. And it used to amaze me, this kind of like weird logic going, oh, that, that will be enough. God will provide. I'm th- I was kind of hoping you might help with that provision as well as, as trusting God to do it on some behalf. And this idea that we as Christians are meant to just get through life. We're meant to survive. We're meant to just to manage on or almost eke out our existence. So like, it's like so God is, is like the, the matron of some old-fashioned orphanage where we're just meant to eke our existence on gruel and limited supply and if we're lucky we'll get through the day. There's this kind of weird Christian mentality which is not the God that I read about in scripture. And I don't know if you've had that experience. You're, you're relying upon others to provide for your needs. You're, you're desperate for something to happen and you can't make it happen. It's either, either financial challenges or resource challenges or, you know, it's a relational challenge. You can't make it all happen yourself. You need someone else. You feel like, I'm just about making it through the day. I'm just about surviving. So many people in our world are living in that way. They're living on the edge of just survival. Can I cope? If something else comes along, it might finish me off. 
And so we come with this story of Elijah and Elisha. And I've mentioned before, the name Elijah means that God, my God, is Jehovah. My God, what it really is saying is like wearing a t-shirt saying, my God's the real deal. It's like, you, you might have your gods, but my God's the proper one. So he had this, his name, Elijah, meant my God is Jehovah. And then his, his, his friend, his, the guy who was mentoring, Elisha, his, his name meant my God saves. It's a great little combo, isn't it? My God's the real deal, and the other guy's got a t-shirt saying, my God saves. Elijah and Elisha. And for 13 years, they walked together. Remember last week, Joe was talking about that kind of brief job interview that wouldn't probably pass any kind of employment tribunal these days, where Elijah just comes up with his hairy cloak uh, that the prophets would wear and just threw it over Elisha's shoulders. And he goes, you've got yourself a job. You'll be the next prophet. There's a moment. There's no HR, there's no you know, kind of job description, there's no employee handbook, there's just a, a cloak that someone's already been wearing for many years. And for the next 13 years, they reckon, Elijah and Elisha walked and worked together. And Elijah would do his miracles and amazing things, and Elisha would watch on and learn as he went through it. But today, as we get into 2 Kings 2, is Elijah's last day on earth. It's a pretty special last day. If this was my last day, it'd be pretty cool. And Elijah had this kind of end, which is pretty fascinating. So if we turn to 2 Kings 2, and we'll start in verse 1. It's always a good place to start. Words are on the screen. And um, here we go. It says this. When the law was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. So Bethel is about eight miles away. There's no cars, no taxis, no camels. They're walking. And Elijah has this response. And he says this. Um, he says, as short as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down to Bethel, a nice six-mile walk. This was a day of walking. If you like walking, you'd like Elijah. So the group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and said to him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Elisha answered, Of course I know, but be quiet about it. I can almost imagine him a bit annoyed, like, yeah, I know, be quiet. It's like, yeah, of course I know, I'm a prophet. I mean, look at the hairy coat I'm wearing. I get what's happening here. Please, you know when people kind of get reminded of something they know? It's like, really, do you have to remind me of what I know? Oh, you remember what's happening tomorrow? You remember what's happening next week? Yeah, I know. Elisha knew what was happening. He said, but be quiet about it. So they went from Gilgal to Bethel. And then at Bethel, verse 4, um, Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. Again, he gives him a second opportunity to stay put. Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. Now, Jericho is about 12 miles away. So we've done an eight-mile walk, and now we're heading for a 12-mile walk. Everyone up for walking. We're pushing for a 20-mile walk in a day. It goes right, and it probably wasn't on nice, comfortable roads in trainers. It was probably, you know, really weird sandals over rocky ground. And they go on this walk, and they go to Jericho. And, as, and Elisha's again, as sure as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho, who didn't phone their friends back in Gilgal, and said, they came to Elisha and asked him, did you know the Lord's going to take your master away from you today? Yes, I know. Leave me alone. Stop reminding me. But be quiet, said Elisha. Be quiet about it. So then, again, you get the routine here, verse 6. And then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. So, so far, this is the third time Elijah says to Elisha, you know what, you've done your job, you've done what you do, you can get off now, you can, you can hang back, stuff's going to happen, you know what's going to happen today, I'm giving you the opportunity to get off the road we're all on. And each time Elisha replies the same way, as sure as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I will never 
leave you. So they go on together. So they've gone from Gilgal to Bethel, from Bethel to Jericho, from Jericho to the Jordan River, a total of 26 miles. They basically walked a marathon in a day. It was like in some ways, you know, those of you who were here last week, you, we had Simon and Sam Huntu off to Plymouth and we had like a goodbye. And it's, it's like they've had about a few weeks of goodbyes. It's a goodbye tour. And we had the chance, um, Lottie and I, to see them off on Saturday morning and wave them off. And I won't tell you what Lottie did to their car. Um, that's a whole other conversation. But anyway, they off they went on their, on their, as we like to say, it's their holiday, but they're actually moving to Plymouth. We said, you know, let us know when you want to come back. You're very welcome. But they had this goodbye tour. And it was like Elijah was going on this goodbye tour, going going from Gilgal to Bethel, Bethel to Jericho, Jericho to the Jordan River, a 26-mile walk. And then they get to the Jordan River, and 50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folds up his hairy cloak and strikes the water with it. He gets his cloak and he hits the water. And the Jordan River divides, and the two of them walk across on dry ground. Is there anything about this story that sounds a little bit familiar? The dry ground, the river dividing into two. It's like, oh, this, this is like, you know, I mean, we, got, we ain't got time for everything. But, you know, there's something about the scripture, and especially about the writers of scripture. Often what they do is they write clues that point back. They're saying, remember what happened before. God did it before. He can do it again. And when you see that in scripture, you see these kind of little clues to previous stories. Often it's the writer telling us, remember that story about Joshua? and the promised land, and the Jordan River, and the water dividing into two. But deja vu. That's what was going on here. And so have this moment. And then, so you got to 2 Kings 8. They cross over the Jordan River after that. And then they come to this beautiful moment in 2 Kings 2 verse 9. And they cross over the river. And Elijah, who's given Elisha three opportunities to walk away, three opportunities to have a different experience, he turns to Elisha and he says this, Tell me. What can I do for you before I am taken away? That's like giving him a menu of opportunities, saying, what would you like? We've worked together, we've walked together for 13 years. What would you like? And Elisha says this. I love this. Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. I'm like going, that's amazing. To imagine walking with somebody like Elijah, who was known as one of the most famous of all the prophets. And when it comes to the opportunity of the end of his life to say to him, I'd like double what you're having. I'd like to have a double portion. I would like to have everything you've had and the same again. Yeah, that's not, it's not, yeah. I mean, seriously. Imagine, it's like me going to Bill Gates and going, could I have double your money? Or going to Usain Bolt and say, could I go double your speed? I don't know why that's so funny. I mean, maybe I could. This idea of asking for double. And everyone's like, I can, I'm saying this and everyone's like, yeah, that's a nice idea. Elisha went, I'd like twice what you've got. I want to go large. I want to go bigger. I want to go beyond. I want to go for more than what you've had. Now, some of you are going, well, this is, this is a bit excessive. I mean, I mean, seriously, Elijah, I mean, Elisha, you should just say, well, I'd... Could I have a little bit, please? Could I have a small portion, please? If it would be so nice to have a bit of health, that would be great. To live life long, that would be lovely. But Elisha goes in for the double portion. He goes large. He doesn't go small. He goes big. How many times do we stay small? And we think, actually, could God provide everything we need? It's a bit like 
this idea, you remember the story of Oliver in the, in the, uh, the musical? And he comes to Mr. Bumble, the, the, the guy who runs the orphanage. He said, please, sir, may I have some more? Some of you know what happens next. But it's a bit like we do this with God. We go to God and we go, please, God, may we have some more? Because it's almost like, God, if, I know you don't want to give me anything, but if a little tiny morsel, it would be okay. If I could manage another day, if I could survive, that would be great. But Elisha goes, I'd like double. I'd like more. I would like to have twice what one of the most famous prophets in the Bible had. I would like that, please, and again. I want a couple more amens in the house today. I really do, because I'm like going, wow, Elisha went, I'll have twice what he's having, please. I want to go, or in our family we have this phrase, we say, go big or go home. Go, go big or go home, it's become a little bit of a family mantra. Don't bother playing around with the small stuff. Either go big or just go back home. We had this beautiful occasion on one, one day in our family home. And we were sitting around the table and um, Lottie's mum, uh, the children's grandma was around. And she went fairly abruptly. And I said to the kids, why has grandma gone home? And then one of my children, who won't get mentioned, said, well, I said to her, go big or go home, grandma. And she didn't understand what he was, he, they were saying. And so she went home. And I'm like... But the idea of going, are we going to waste our time staying small, thinking small? Please, God, may you give me something. Would something scrappy fall off the table that I can nibble on and survive? Or are you prepared to go, I want to go large. I want to go double. I want more than what I actually need. I want to be extravagant. And I want God to bless me the way that you've blessed Elijah and Elisha. I'd like a double portion, please. Anyone want a double portion? Thank you for both of you. Wonderful. So there's this moment. So then carry on the story. Elisha says, this is what I want. I want a double portion. Elijah goes, great. You can have it if you see me go. If you see me disappear, all right, then, then that's the deal. You can have it. And there's this moment they're walking along. We're not sure the difference, distance between one Kings, uh, 2 Kings 2 verse 10 and the second half of verse 10. But suddenly this chariot on fire. I mean, that's a moment, isn't it? Do, 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 do. Chariot of fire comes flying down in the middle of the two of them, separates them, picks up Elijah, flies off into the sky, and Elisha's left behind. I mean, that's a film right there, isn't it? That is a proper driving off in the sunset moment. Elijah goes off in this chariot of fire. Incredible. And Elisha sees everything. He sees what happens, which was part of the confirmation. You want double? If you see me go, then you'll get double. And then there's this moment. I love this. Elisha, it says then, picks up the cloak. Elijah has dropped his cloak, his special mantle we talked about last week, the prophet's cloak, and he picks it up. And this is, this is a beautiful moment. I'm sure you found yourself in this place, maybe not holding a cloak. But this concept of, and I just had this moment, I was looking at this earlier this week, going, I wonder what was going through Elisha's head at that moment. He's lost somebody. He's looked up to him like his father. He says there are those words. He said, Father, Father, where have you gone? He's, he's, he's been walking with Elijah. He's followed him. He's learned from him. And suddenly he's gone. So there's a grief moment. There's also the wow moment of, I've just seen a chariot on fire flying through the sky. Explain that one to your friends. And he's got all that going on. And then he sees the mantle lying on the ground. And he picks it up. And he walks towards the Jordan River. And I'm just thinking, what's going on in his head? 
you know, it sounds, well, you have these things where it's just one verse. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak. But I can just imagine, Elisha was there with his cloak and he's thinking to himself, will it work? Anyone else think that? Will it work? I've seen Elijah do it. In fact, I've seen Elijah do a whole bunch of stuff. I don't think it will, really, would it work for me? And Elisha gets the cloak, the Bible says, and he strikes the water. And there's something about that verse that doesn't tell me he tapped the water. He put his toe in it and saw there were people watching. And the moment he's got this cloak above his head and he strikes the water. I mean, that is confidence on another level. That's faith in action. Faith, spelled R-I-S-K, risk and faith go hand in hand. The risk is he was going to hit that water and what was going to happen? Nothing. And all the prophets are watching. At this moment in time, Elisha, you may not have double, you may have nothing. There's a risk moment and Elisha gets hold of this cloak and he strikes the water. And I want to ask you this morning, how many times have you found yourself in a position where you know this is going to take a step of faith and everything in you wants to just tap the water? Everything wants to go, God, I hope you're in this. And I'll just hedge my bets in a few different ways just in case it doesn't work. Where is the confidence of the church to say, I'm going to strike the water. I'm going to believe that God will do what he said he would do. That he will give me double for my trouble rather than going, will my God just go, oh, tap the water and nothing happens. And I think sometimes as a church, we think, I hope it works. I hope it works. I mean, I've found myself in those situations many times where I've done things and I've said things and I've prayed things and I've hoped for things. And I'm just in my head, I'm going, God, I hope it works. I remember the first time I had the pleasure of leading someone in a, in a marriage ceremony. I remember thinking, I hope it works. I'm still now a little bit nervous. There's lots of people I've married over the years. Well, just one I've married, but you understand. Uh, <laughs> And I'm always thinking, I wonder, I wonder if they're properly married. I wonder if I've made a mistake and said one of the lines wrong. I wonder if it really worked. And we do these sort of things in life. We go, will it work? What? And I think the world are looking at the church and they're going, does it work? Does your faith work? Does the church work? Does your Christianity work? Has it got a place in our society? Does the faith match reality? Are we going to strike the water or are we just going to stir the water with our cloak and hope for the best? Are we going to fudge it and walk across the water and have a little swim and just say to everyone, it's all right, God's got different plans. He's done different things these days. Or are we going to just get hold of the cloak and strike the water and say, God, the God of Elijah, will you come through at this point? And he hits the water. The water divides. And Elisha, with a massive sigh of relief, or maybe not because maybe he was more confident than me, walks across on dry ground. What an amazing story. What an amazing moment. And I just want to say, when you're asking God to come into your circumstance and your situation, there are things you're dealing with right now, and you're thinking, God, I need something to break through. Have you ever thought about asking God? Or is he often the last person you go to? Are you willing to strike the water, to take a risk, to take a step of faith, say, God, I'm believing that if I do this, you will come through. And I would trust you with what you've given to me. Are you prepared to do that? You know, what, you, you're, you're never going to know until you try. Elisha was never going to find out if the double portion thing was a real deal or just a thought until he struck the water. Are you prepared to do whatever it means for you to strike the water and see change take place?
God has got great plans for each one of us. Often I think he's waiting for us to step up. He wants to lavish us and give us everything we can ever ask for or imagine. But he's just waiting for us, going, the great father is here. He loves you. He's got something for you. He wants to, he wants to lavish it upon you. And we're like Oliver Twist going, please, God, if it's okay with you, I'd like a little piece of it. He's going, I could give you a lot more if you like, but I'm waiting for you to ask. Will it work? The last thing I want to say this morning is um, about the Jordan River. This whole exercise took place around the Jordan River. They went from Gilgal, Bethel, Bethel, Jericho, Jericho to the Jordan River. And uh, if you go on the next screen here, this is me and my, my parents. Last year, we went to Israel, and a few of us went to Israel, had an amazing experience. And our very last day, um, we went to, we stood in the River Jordan. And the River Jordan is a very significant part of the heritage of the people of Israel. It was the place where Joshua took them. He took over the leadership from Moses, and then Joshua won, be strong, be courageous. And Joshua leads the people of God into the promised land, where? Through the Jordan River. And he stands in the Jordan River with the, with the priests and the Ark of the Covenant, and the water parts, and they cross over. And then you have Elisha and Elijah at that moment in the River Jordan. But then you also have the story of Jesus. Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by his, his cousin, John the Baptist. And there's that incredible moment where Jesus is baptized, and he's standing there in the River Jordan. And the voice from heaven comes up and says, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. God was pleased with his son Jesus. And the great thing about that story is Jesus had achieved nothing by that point in time. All he had done was get to the age of 30. All he had done was made it to that point in life. And he stands in the river and he's baptized by John the Baptist and God says to him, this is my son, this is my boy, I'm pleased with him. And when Elijah um, strikes the water and walks through the river Jordan, the prophets say, look at you. The same spirit as Elijah rests on you. The same spirit that rests on Elijah now rests on Elisha. The same spirit that rests on God came down like a dove and rested on Jesus. The same power that we see throughout Scripture, throughout history, rests on you and rests on me. It's exactly the same deal. You can say, oh yeah, but I don't live in those times and I'm not the same. It's the same Holy Spirit that lives amongst us now that lived amongst us 2,000 years ago. And when we see those stories of Joshua being strong and courageous and Jesus being baptized and his father God saying, this is my son, it's the same spirit. And yet we go, God, please, sir, may I have some more? The same power is there for us to get hold of, to be anointed, to do great things for God and his kingdom. And yet so often we're like, I wonder if it'll work. I wonder if it's going to work for us. The same power rests on us. People should be looking at Freedom Church and the church across the nations and be saying, we can see the same power that rested upon Jesus Christ, rests upon his church. Jesus said in the Great Commission, he turned to his disciples, he said, as it's all been given to me, now I say to you, go and make disciples, preach the good news. You can have the same power, go and wait, and the same power, Acts chapter 2, will fall upon you and you'll see miracles and greater things than I've ever seen. We don't have to perform or try and pretend or try and be something we're not. We just have to recognize that we carry the same anointing.
I read an online post this week. Someone had written, God longs for us to be ourselves. And I thought, it's good, but it's not right. You see, God doesn't long for us. He loves us the way we are. But he doesn't want us to be ourselves. He wants to be born again. He wants to get hold of what it means to be a child of God. He doesn't want us to live in the, in the less and the minimal and either this will do life. He's going, I've called for you to thrive, not just survive. I've called you to be filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. I've called you to bring lightness into dark places. I haven't called for you just to get through life and just about make it. Let's get the worship band up while I just tell a final story. This, this is so important. I think there's a world out there that says to people, you know, just, just be yourself and the rest doesn't really matter. I'm thinking, actually, no, we have a responsibility to say, God, would you change me? Would you help me understand that I carry the inheritance of the kingdom, the king of the kingdom? He gives me everything I need and more. And we don't just eke out our existence. We can celebrate and thrive in all that God has given to us. I just want to tell a final story, which I think really illustrates, hopefully, this point from Elijah and Elisha. It's worth saying that Elisha did twice the number of miracles in Scripture that Elijah did. We might have to do Elisha another time because he's got a whole load of really cool tricks that he did. I mean, he, he, he made an axe head float. I mean, don't, don't try it. I don't think it works very well. It's, he, he, he made an axe head float on the water. He, he, he brought someone back from the dead. And probably the, the coolest story is when Elisha was dead, his bones brought someone else back to life. You want a freaky story? That's a freaky story. Some grave robbers threw a dead man into a grave. It's the grave of Elisha. Woo! Back to life again. Now, however you tell that story, that's an amazing story. He did twice the miracles that we heard Elijah do. So I heard this story about a family a number of years ago, many years ago, and they were emigrating from the UK and they were moving to America. And this family had saved up all their money to go onto the boat to, to go and start a new life for themselves over in America. And, and, and money was tight. They'd saved their money. They'd paid for their, their cruise, not really a cruise, their trip overseas. And they'd saved money for what they would have to do once they got there. And the dad said to the family, he said, listen, he said, we've got a limited amount of funds. So what I've decided is we are going to do is we're going to live of biscuits and water in our cabin for the two weeks of the crossing. And we will stay in our cabin and we won't run around. We will stay put. And I just want to ask you if we can, we can live of this. We will make it across the other side and then we can start our new life together. And the kids were like amazing. They went, you know, Dad, if that's what you say, that's what we'll do. And they lived for these two weeks off biscuits and water. And they got to the final day of the cruise, the final day of the voyage. And, and the dad said to the kids, he said, you've been amazing. I cannot believe how well you've just put up with the circumstance. You've just been bored, but you've just eaten what I've said. And we've managed to save all that we've had. And we've managed to survive the trip. I'm going to ask the captain of the ship if we can eat at his table tonight. I've saved some money. And I'm going to ask him if we can join the family and the, and the feast upstairs. And we can go and join in the food. So the dad goes and sees the captain of the ship. And he says to him, he says, look, we've been on board for two weeks. You probably haven't seen us We've been hidden away, but I just wanted to know how much would it cost? How much would it cost to sit at your table tonight and eat the food provided for the guests? And the captain looked shocked. He said, what do you mean you've not eaten of the food over this trip? You've been surviving of biscuits and water. 
do you not understand that the food was included in the cost of your trip? It's all, it's all paid for. We have the generosity of heaven and it's all paid for. And we live of biscuits and water, hoping to survive the trip, hoping to survive through life. And God is going, I've got this feast for you and you're always invited. You're my family. Why wouldn't you be? We go, you know what, God, I'm okay. I'll just manage on little. I'll manage on just survival. And God is saying, why would you do that? Why would you sit there and go, please, God, may I have some more? And he's saying, I've got plenty. I've got plenty to go around. And yet we somehow have this mentality of survival rather than thriving and living to the full. I want to ask us today and encourage us today to be people of faith, to be people of confidence and strike the water and say, you know what? I'm going to believe that God will do what he said he will do. That the people will go, actually, I'm going to have faith that this will work, that my prayers will be answered. Rather than going, do I just tap the water? I'm going to strike the water. And be confident that the same power that lives and breathes on, on, and landed and rested upon Jesus, upon Elisha, upon Joshua, they crossed the Jordan River, the same power lives on you and me. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.